1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
2: You are listening to The Hotbed Podcast, brought to you by The Hotbed Collective. I'm Lisa Williams.
3: And I'm Anarchy Somerville.
2: And we are two of a gang of merry maidens, hell-bent on making the world a better place, one orgasm at a time. We started this podcast because we realized one that there's an orgasm gap between men and women with the biggest gap landing between heterosexual men and heterosexual and bisexual women and two because we realize that no one talks about normal everyday sex there's lots of chat about dating sex and extreme sex we call it dungeon sex but who's talking about normal everyday sex you know the kind that doesn't happen every day so we're here and we are talking and we hope you enjoy the ride
3: hi We're the Hotbed Collective. This is series four of our podcast, and this is episode one, which is Help, My Vulva is Broken.
2: First of all, before we start, I'd like to say that we don't always talk about sex after kids, and we know that a lot of our listeners don't have children, but a lot of them do, and not all of this series is going to be about sex after kids, but this episode is, and there's a very good reason for that. Why is that, Anarchy? Why are we talking about sex after kids?
3: Well, I guess... um, Because, well, I've just had a baby fairly recently. Oh No Um, no big deal. No no big deal. So that was, um, I think we're in week 12 in the Big Brother house now, in the Big (laughs) Bubba house. Um, And so it felt like quite a good, timely um, coincidence. And also the fact that we could have Mother of Daughters on, um, who's obviously very much in that kind of parenting sphere. And she's a midwife. So it just, it felt like the stars were kind of aligned. But you're right. Obviously, we're not always going to talk about parents and shagging or no shagging
2: so I know you had a baby and then you thought how can I get some free advice from mother of daughters slash Clemmie Hooper I
3: know let's interview her for a podcast is that kind of that was kind of it yeah um I it's really funny because uh, you probably had this as well because obviously you had baby Joe a year ago didn't it just Mm -hmm. over a year ago um It kind of, because there was quite a big age gap between my first daughter and my second, you forget. You're almost like you go back to the beginning again. And there were even things that um, I found like, have you heard of such a thing as a Sitz bath? Nope. So no, I hadn't either. But um, this time I did have well, both times I had a bit of a tear. Mm. Um, That's a bit of an underestimation. It makes it sound quite pleasant, but it wasn't. um, And no one told me about what you do afterwards. So Mm. and I, I find there is a bit of a gap in terms of they send you home with the baby and you're booked in to sort of see a, a midwife well I think it was for a six week checkup, mm. but actually they didn't really tell me that when I got home I was going to have to take care of my vulva vulva and what to do to take care of it and so essentially I was kind of left in this awful quandary where I was in quite a lot of pain mm. um, and couldn't really even sit down mm. so i luckily instagram's a lovely community and i tend to overshare so people did help me with suggestions and a, a, i think i'm hope i pronounce it right sitz bath is something you put in the toilet mm. so that you can kind of sit in it and it becomes like a bidet um, and oh. the other thing is 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 epsom salts because if you've had mm. stitches essentially um you just need to keep it clean mm-hmm. as possible and i sound i'm being really gruesome here but basically Obviously, if you're bleeding and if you're doing a number two, that's quite a challenge to try to have a wound there that you're trying to keep clean. So Mm. um, I learned a lot about kind of how to look after it. And Epsom salts became my sort of best friend, really, for a couple of weeks.
2: Let's take out some shares in Epsom salts, because I think they're good for all kinds of vulva, vulva volcanic, vulvanic. Activities. I think yeah. so, because someone said apparently if you've got an itchy vaginary, vulvary area, mm. to just have a soak in, in a Epsom salt bath. And um, my friend, who's a doctor, was saying that um, when her daughter has an itchy fanny, she said, I've got an itchy fanny. So <laughs> sorry we've also got Ray here who is Anarchy's biggest daughter and just she's listening to something on headphones but she did just turn around when I said itchy funny she did a little cough Um, But anyway, apparently in the middle of the night, daughter gets dunked in a bath of Epsom salts and it's very
3: soothing. Yeah, it's really good for um, muscle pain as well. Mm. And I was going to ask you actually, because obviously you had caesarean section, didn't Mm. you? And there must be ways that you need to recover from that because that's a whole nother kettle of lard, isn't it?
2: It's the whole kettle of lard. I had to not carry anything. Mm. And um, I, you can't carry anything heavier than your baby because of the stitches tearing. Um, so what do you do with buggies
3: and stuff? Because obviously the first couple no, of weeks, there's a lot of kind of carting mm. buggies in and out of houses, isn't there?
2: Yeah, I just sort of invoked my inner kind of Barbara Cartland and reclined on a sofa and ordered people about around me. And what's funny is my kids are now three and a half and one, and I still act like Barbara Cartland. Mm. So if I'm with my sister or my partner, They automatically carry stuff for me because it's obviously like set in their head that i'm barbara cartland Mm. and um and i sometimes then have to remind myself that i'm no longer barbara cartland and i can carry stuff myself but yeah people around you have to be very sweet but you should get moving you can't just lie down you actually do have to start walking and i remember it's a bit like getting a little puppy where you have to walk them a little bit every day, mm. and a bit longer and a bit longer, and it was like
3: that. And I remember walking to the end of the road was
2: a very big deal.
3: It's funny because I'm reading this book at the moment, and um, this is going to hurt, which is like the memoirs of a junior doctor, and he works on oh, a, Adam Kay, yeah, yeah, he works on a on a labour ward. So it's quite funny now to be reading it. Well, funny, straight weird because he talks a lot about kind of um, tears and caesareans, but from a doctor's perspective, mm. um, and it's. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, but it's also quite mind-boggling. And the other thing that it made me realise is just how lucky you are to get out of the whole experience with a tear, or, you know, with that being the only thing, really, that's gone wrong.
2: Now, listeners, if you don't really follow us on Instagram, we're at the Hotbed Collective, and we recommend that you join our Mary gang. We have a few lols there, do we not? Emoji-based we lols. Um, but also follow Anarchy Somerville, mm. at Anarchy Somerville, because she does very funny Instagram stories about... How her night's gone with no sleep. And um, it's, it's, you're, you kind of, you haven't taken it too seriously. Cause obviously, sleep deprivation is one of the worst things that can happen. Definitely one of the worst things that happened to me. Um, hormones surging around your body. I think mine is still kicking around and making me a bit of a moody cow. But you're kind of,
3: you're being very funny about it. Mm, it's, it's the only thing that, um was well, not the only thing, but I found this time around, cause I think when, ray was born instagram wasn't really a thing and this time obviously it is Mm. and at night um your phone is just the perfect sort of thing that you can get out and it 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 seems really sad but it's actually a bit of company for me and then i luckily i've had quite a few people who've had babies similar time and they've sort of contacted me and said oh you know what the just seeing these silly stories and the silly Mm. pictures and movies and things you've put on has made me feel slightly better i really do i mean i think it is one of the most difficult things and i don't know why that is but i think it's just it is it's the hormones it's everything and this time i've had a lot more anxiety and i don't know whether that's been caffeine fueled Mm -hmm. or age related or hormones or just all All of of the above in a perfect storm
2: well you're doing really well and if you're not then that's fine it's a very tough thing you're nearly through it like 12 weeks is a turning point yeah. And luckily, like you said, there's lots of community out there. So listeners, in our show notes, we'll put lots of information and places to go for information about post-birth recovery and places where you can make friends and find people that are going through the same thing. And Clemmie Hooper has lots to say about this. And she was really wonderful. And I loved talking to her. And I can see from meeting her why she has made a great midwife, but also a really good kind of media personality, Instagram mm. personality, because she's very warm, open. And uh, she was really great fun to chat to. Clemmy Hooper, mother of daughters, lovely to have you here in the hot bed.
4: Thank you for joining us in bed. Thanks. I wish we were in bed. What are you? What? Yeah. What do you wear in bed? Are you in pajamas? Are oh, you a nighties? Pajamas in the winter and nighties in the summer.
2: Yes. yes. Oh, the nighties right up for
4: me. Oh, you got to go long. Yes. Long and cotton last year i discovered the mns nighty they brought out last year this like pure white cotton nighty um that i think i saw jules oliver post about and mm. i was like well if it's good enough for jules <laughs> and it's uh it can- it comes past your knees and it is absolutely gorgeous. It's so pretty, it was about 12 pounds, and it came in two slightly different styles, and I bought um, one of each. I remember last time we had that heat wave, it Mm. was boiling, and just putting on that in the evening, and like no knickers. Oh, and just floating around. Just like floating around, and feeling really
2: like whimsical. (laughs) (laughs) Just love it. It sounds like the kind of thing you could just sort of waft about the house in with a sort of fan, and maybe some poetry.
4: I mean, and also £12. Ah, uh, bargain. Yeah, no polyester, like, what, when no you take static, them off. Yeah, Ooh, static shock, that. hair um, on end. So, so you're wearing that. Um, <laughs> but pyjamas and pajamas in, top and bottom's in the wind.
2: Yeah, I'm a pyjama girl as well. Um, so Clemmie Hooper, if you don't know her, I'm sure you do, and Anakin and I have just talked about her, has a wonderful Instagram, Mother of Daughters, and also a website, which is how she sort of, I suppose, became a, a media... Um, A media personality, and it's gas and air, (laughs) yeah, and it's frank birth stories, which I think you started as a way of combating a lot of the kind of stressful births that we see on screen and that might put women off. Is that right? Yeah, pretty
4: much. Yeah, the um, the blog um, started when I was on maternity leave um, after my second daughter about eight years ago, and I was a bit bored. Um, Second time maternity leave is very different to first time. I was in, I was enjoying being on maternity leave, but I definitely felt like I had this kind of like creative side of me that I wanted to do something. Mm. And um lots of people would ask me, so like all my like mum friends would ask me, Oh, what about this and what about this? And I was like, Oh, why do they only ask why aren't they like referring to websites or books or stuff? And yeah. I did a bit of research and there wasn't really anything present at the time and blogs were just creeping in, like there was no in I think there was Instagram, but I wasn't on Instagram. I joined Twitter and I set up this blog called Gas and Air. Mm-hmm. And it was just me sharing experiences of being a midwife, really. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of mothering and motherhood came into it because I was in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I think about a year into my blog, um, I wrote a birth story, one of my birth stories. Um, and um, I was I had an induction with my second daughter. I had a water birth. So it was a really positive birth. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, the response was just really overwhelming and people just really wanted to read more and hear Mm. more. And I just put a shout out, I think, on Twitter and said, does anyone want to send me their birth story? Um, Photos would be lovely. And it was at a time where um, One Born Every Minute was being shown, Mm -hmm. uh, Channel 4, I think. And the opening sequence of One Born Every Minute is the sound of a woman screaming and Um, a woman being pushed on a trolley and being rushed down a corridor and alarms Mm. going off and midwives running around. Mm. Really high drama and really quite stressful. And I just thought if I was pregnant and I was watching that on a Thursday evening and Mm. I was going to be due to have a baby soon, like, how would that impact me and my Mm. thoughts? So through time I received more and more. um, And it was just about... Talking about birth and Mm. I think that was the biggest thing. I wanted women to be honest and to feel that they could safely share their stories. Um and yeah, that that was how the blog sort of really took off, I guess. Mm. It was in the second year of the blog that it started getting loads of traction and some posts went viral and Mm. I shared I think a woman who'd had a term stillbirth Mm. in Holland and she told this beautiful birth story and she emailed me saying oh I don't know if it's something you could use and I said boy it's still birth it's still your baby being born yeah, of course yeah share it and then I think people got a bit braver and started sending me um yeah so that's how it all started
2: and it's just been redone and you're yes. also launching a podcast yes so it's yes. exciting times
4: busy busy yeah so the blog I had a bit of a sort of hmm, hiatus from it I kind mm. of I, I had a book i I had a book deal, so I was writing my book and I had the twins and I just had no... I mean, it's just so difficult when you're writing a book because your your entire energy goes into this book and I had these newborn twins. So the blog naturally just took a kind of back burner and that was fine. And then I sort of lost a bit of like confidence with it and thought, oh, where do I want to go with it? And I thought, well, no one's reading blogs anymore because everyone wants Instagram. But actually what I was finding that during that time when my blog was you know put put to bed that a whole world on instagram was growing and more midwives were talking about birth and more obstetricians and um women were talking about pelvic floors and all these topics i was like where were you guys eight years ago (laughs) and it's amazing and i feel like it's almost come back so i decided to relaunch it it relaunched in january with um Um, I've got like a little team Mm -hmm. which is really nice actually.
2: I think a big turning point for me actually and this is another thing that you talk about is pelvic floor. So actually when I sorted out my pelvic floor both times after both children that did make a difference because I found that something like having like wetting myself a bit because I couldn't get to the loo on time which is often Mm. quite difficult when you've got a baby to get to the loo on time. Very. Um, It's like this sort of bad timing really isn't it? So So that was obviously horrible. Yeah. Um, And then if sex hurt, which it did both times, when before I got the pelvic floor sorted. And then when I did, it was just, I don't know, that was a good start for me. It's been a good start, actually, yeah.
4: I guess you're like owning your body again, aren't you? And Mm. I think with identity, you know, so much is on the surface area, but actually it's much more deep-rooted than that. Um, I think a loss of identity, for me, I always found it's, I mean, looking back, it's fascinating. But at the time I was, I remember being furious that my husband, you know, we just had this baby or the second baby, whatever. And it happened actually with every baby we've had. So it doesn't really change (laughs) that I would have gone through this huge, like monumental moment. I've given, I've carried and I've given birth. Mm. Like that in itself is, I mean, it's Mm life-changing. And now I'm breastfeeding Mm. these babies these are children which again always blows my mind mm-hmm. that you give birth and then your breasts fill with milk mm. and you feed your baby mm. and then two weeks later he pops on his bike and cycles <laughs> off to work like no, and I just oh, remember but something, thinking, yeah
2: something mm. that's happened oh, I guess what's happened
4: is they've slept in a chair overnight pretty much pretty much <laughs> it's like deal? and I used to just think he men I don't think well because they don't carry The baby, they don't um, give birth physically. I don't think they have that same um, connection or Mm. disconnection with how becoming a mother changes you Mm.
2: now clemmy let's talk fannies fanny chat (laughs) fanny chat it's my favorite subject fannies now you've seen a lot you've seen a lot of vulvas a lot of vaginas uh, in your work as a midwife which i love and there's something very reassuring about being with medical people because (laughs) i mean my gp is a man for example he's probably younger than me and when i first (laughs) saw him because he changed he was new i looked at him and i thought well you're 12 years old and you're a boy, and yes. there's no way. And actually, he's just... Have you just, had to
4: show him your vagina? Yeah,
2: loads of times. And, you know, he's actually amazing, because oh. he's seen... You know, he's gone through medical school. He's seen it all. He is probably older than I give him credit for. <laughs> he's not 12. Um, but actually, there's something very reassuring is about, good like... Looking? Um good-looking? I mean, he could be a certain, you know, not- a certain woman's taste. Luckily, I'm not, you know... He's that not my could type. be awkward. He's very lovely, though, and he's very sweet to the children. But he... Um, Yeah, there's just something reassuring about, look, I know I can talk to you about this problem because you've seen it all. And certainly with midwives as well, you know, you just feel like you've seen it all. And I loved what you did on your Instagram when you talked about vulvas and different shapes and looks and how like the inner lips can sometimes be out. Sometimes they can be in, they can be different lengths. And you did a kind of, it was quite a nice thing. Is it in your highlights? Yeah, it is. I think
4: I've highlighted it as fanny chat. Fanny chat. (laughs) I just couldn't think of another... I know, like, in terms of te- technically we should be saying vulva mm. and, your, you know, your vagina is the internal bit. But I felt Fanny was a, a, a good one. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. Do you know what? That was just on a Friday evening. <laughs> um, someone had shared a very, you know, that, like, 10-year challenge thing. Yes. That people were doing in. Yes. Jan- must be January. Yes, yeah. I think it was. And someone shared one that someone else had shared. And it was all, like, 10 years ago. And it was an illustration of a you know, a very neat-looking vulva. And then 10 years later, and it looked very different. And Mm. there was, you know, lots of people laughing about it. And, you know, I I have got a sense of humor. Mm. I can find things funny. But the girl that sent it to me, she was a young girl. Mm. She hadn't had children. And she said well, my vulva looks like the one on the right and I'm only like 22 oh, or something. I see, yeah. And I just said, and I get a lot of DMs and some I respond to and some I just can't. And mm. I just thought, hang on a minute, what, what what's going on here? Mm. What is this making women feel? Mm. And just a little bit of research and um, there's some brilliant accounts on Instagram. And I just started saying, there was basically a brilliant article written in, I think it was Cosmopolitan, not sure if it was UK or you airspace but they basically showed say eight different illustrations of a vulva Mm. and i just was like this is normal and this one's normal and this one's normal and hey that one's normal (laughs) and i was just like guys we really need to stop shaming our anatomy Mm. men don't do that
2: not at all and if they do or if we do it's the sort of short dick jokes which actually Mm. aren't they they're not very fashionable anymore are they um no and actually people like dr karen gurney who we deal with quite a lot um say you know actually think about that kind of joke is it appropriate would you like people to be joking about the size of your boobs or whatever so exactly it's kind of not cool no um
4: on either sides i mean porn that has a role does it not Porn's got a massive role. Um, I haven't seen much porn. Like, I don't watch it regularly. No. <laughs> um, but I've seen, I have watched some porn. Mm. And um, I just find it, maybe I just haven't found the right porn for me. Who knows? Maybe I need to see some more porn um, exploring. But I just don't, well, the women don't look like me for a start. Mm. They look very young, mm-hmm. which mm. I don't find, I I just find that quite Um, uncomfortable, Mm. Um, they're always completely shaved Mm. Um, and (coughs) their um, vulvas look how I think men think they should look which Mm. is very perfect and everything's very neat Mm. and to me I think that looks quite childlike and not necessarily very um, true of how we look as women and I think there's a lot of um, women that think that childbirth or having children changes the shape of a vulva and internally, your vagina. Which, yes, it does. But there are many women, pre children, whose labias are maybe a bit longer than mm. these porn um, mm. images. And I think that's really important mm. because, as if there isn't enough to worry about when you're giving birth or having a baby, that women worrying about their bodies changing. Yeah, you yeah. know, our vulvas are very private, aren't they? It's sort mm. of this little area that we don't really talk about. It's just tucked in and. Mm. I, you I, can't
2: even really see it. I, I mean, mean, it's just goes round. You have to kind of use a mirror, you know, you which is very, to. like, 70s feminist, but yeah. in general... I mean, it's like very
4: it's... close to your anus, really. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, that's sort of like an area of, you know... I don't know, It's that's an area that women don't really talk about, do they? No. I mean, women don't know where their perineums are. Oh, so is that what you discover when you're midwifing? Yeah, you know, when I'm talking to women about um, perineal massage, yeah. or if I'm talking... Um, I really like women to try and explain things to me in their terms. So if they come in in labour, and I'll say to them, "Where are you feeling that? Or how does that feel? Or is mm. the contraction there or there?" And because I, f- that can be like um, give you kind of clues, kind of to progression in labour as a midwife or position of baby and things. Oh, down there, and I'm like, "Whereabouts is it? Mm. Is it at the front of your vagina mm. or your?" Um, especially for delivery, I think there's a lot of fear around that feeling when the baby's head's coming out mm. so things like perineum they're like you know you hear women like oh i ripped from front to back mm. Mm. and then actually when you explore that a little bit you didn't i mean that is something that can happen it's called a fourth degree tear. it's very serious it has to be sutured um in theater with a spinal um you have to have a lot of physio afterwards mm. it's but um yeah it's interesting that women they're just not used to touching themselves down there i sometimes think maybe men know our anatomy better than we do yeah
2: i'm sure they do i mean they certainly if you're not masturbating but you are having sex yeah. then absolutely well, especially for
4: oral sex
2: yeah completely i mean they have to be right down there they and do they're touching they've seen and- it yeah <laughs> they're touching it they're feeling it so let's talk about midwife work and specifically about the aftermath of birth yeah um and and the effect that that can have on yeah. it, and a woman's vulva vagina tearing etc what are the most common problems that that you see as a midwife or that you you know
4: what are what are they well after they've given birth with their vaginas and yes um, I would say infected um, stitches Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately Mm. Um, uh, incontinence or just not total incontinence but a feeling like you haven't got quite as much control which is normal and mm-hmm. totally can be fixed. Mm. And I think women put up with it for too long. And mm. um, pain, perineal pain, um, pain when women are having sex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's quite a few. I mean, I work on labor wards, so mm. we don't have, when I used to work in community, I could see women for longer, mm-hmm. but we still have some women coming back in with thinking that their stitches have broken down and mm-hmm. things haven't healed properly. So there
2: presumably are some red flags to look out for. So any kind of, any sort of pain presumably is a bad, you know, something you should get checked out. Definitely. I mean, you're going
4: to have pain and discomfort or bruising whether or not you've had stitches or not. If you've Mm. given birth vaginally Mm. because that muscle has stretched and the tissues have stretched to allow a baby's head to come out. So it is normal to be... I mean, you wouldn't be able to sit on these stools the day after you've had a baby comfortably. Mm. Um, But I think what women really need to know is what long-term isn't acceptable and what needs to be checked. And you don't have to wait till your six-week checkup to see your GP. Mm -hmm. If you're suffering and your baby's only three or four weeks old Mm -hmm. and you are in pain and you're still needing regular painkillers because your um, perineum is really hurting... Mm. Go sooner. Don't always wait for that six week checkup. And mm. a lot of the time you can't get the six week checkup at six weeks. Mm. You know, if your GP is very busy. Oh gosh, yes. I mean, that's very, very normal. Mm. Um, you may may not be until eight weeks mm. and then you've been suffering for eight weeks. Yeah. You know, early referrals is really, really important as well. Mm. You, can, you can see a women's physio, you know, by a month.
2: And you've seen one recently.
4: Yes, I have. How was that experience? That was three years later, so... Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that if that's an example of how, um, how you should go sooner. Well, I mm. saw one last summer um, at the
2: Havelock Clinic, which is where Dr. Karen Gurney works. And She said, come and have a, you know, a, a mummy M.O.T., mm. um, which I actually recorded for the hotbed. And yeah. it may come out as a bonus episode. I'm not sure. How did you find it? Um absolutely fine I mean she was so lovely it's Emma um, who I will sorry I need to say that again it was um, Sarah and I can't pronounce her surname but I'll put her name in the show notes but she's a brilliant women's health physio she's yeah. on Instagram um, and she was just so kind and really talked me through everything yep. and gave me really good kind of rehab moves and things but you know this is again I've got such a privilege of doing this this podcast because I'm learning so much and hope, trying to share it but actually I wouldn't have known about a women's health physio No. if it hadn't been
4: for this so a woman's health physio you can access through your gp which mm. is and then you have to be referred um so anyone can access that i ended up seeing one privately mm. um someone that i actually know that i'm working with and she always said like, oh you should come come and have an mot <laughs> and i was thinking yeah 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 and then i just thought oh i've just got to make the time um it was quite a way of it was out in Surrey, and I live in Kent, so it was a bit of a wear away, mm. but I thought, well, if I can make time to have my hair cut or <laughs> have a pedicure...
2: Oh, it's so true, um,
4: yeah. I need to make time for this. I mean, yeah. it's it's those things, isn't it? And Definitely. I think that's a lot of the... Perception that you know on the outside we look fine, don't we? You're not wearing a nappy today, are you? <laughs>
2: not Not <laughs> no, today, I'm no.
4: Not, um, and we look fine and we've got yeah. makeup on and we're wearing nice clothes, but actually, what's happening internally? Yeah, so I went to see her and it was absolutely brilliant. And she already forewarned me that, um, that I'd need an internal, so that mm-hmm. was fine. Um, and I knew that I'd be on my period that week, and I sort of said, Oh, I'm gonna be on my period. And she said, Well, if you want to rearrange, and I thought, Oh, shall I rearrange? I thought, No, I'm not gonna rearrange because I'll never rearrange I think yeah. rearranging something if you've cancelled is sure. the hardest thing yeah um and I just thought no I'm gonna come and I didn't mind mm. and um so it was really interesting and I had an internal and it was fine and I'm, um, you know I think she thought she was like oh what do you mind and I was like I don't mind and obviously she's seen enough vaginas and vulvas so between fine. us we were like yeah come on let's get this <laughs> on. but I learned loads more than I knew absolutely tons more Um, that I was doing my pelvic floor slightly wrong mm-hmm. um, which she said was really common mm-hmm. Um, that um, it's not as bad as I thought it was all going to be down there uh, I thought she really, was going to yeah. tell me I've got like a stage 4 prolapse and I haven't mm that I could continue running, which was something I'm really pleased about. But mm-hmm. the best thing was I've just started Reforma Pilates, which mm-hmm. I've never done before. I've done Pilates, but not reformer. I started it just this week. Um, and I think, you know, these things need can be fixed, as you know, but it takes time and mm-hmm. it's a process. And um, I would recommend anyone who's having any pelvic floor issues, urinary incontinence, um, to go and see a women's physio.
2: Yeah, because it's not normal and it's not anything that you have to put up with. I mean, it's normal because it happens, but it's not. Incontinence isn't something that you have to put up with. And it's fine
4: to laugh it off, but it's not. It's not funny, is it? Yeah. I really want to change that culture of. Mm. Oh, oops. Yeah. That brand (laughs) that sells those pants and pads. oops moments. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to be, you know, a grandmother and not be able to play with my kids. I don't want to do. No. Have to wear pads.
2: No, it's all about being able to get on the trampoline. Absolutely. And not feel like you're going to cause some kind of flood warning. Gosh. Um, Anarchy has a question for you. I'm going to call this one in on Anarchy because it is not my question. Yeah. She wondered whether it was true that in France, yeah. women have more stitches after birth as a gift to their husbands. Is I, this true? Have, you, have you heard of this? Heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an Anarchy question.
4: Uh, I love it. I've not heard about this, but I do know in France that they are definitely much more invested in women's um, vulvas, well, vaginas uh, in pregnancy and postnatally. So I've heard from women who have given birth in France that during your pregnancy you have a lot of internals with Mm. a doctor. Mm. You don't have midwives in France, you have a doctor. Mm. Um, And they will do an internals throughout your pregnancy and then post-delivery you have women's physios. So you have, you are see you see a woman's physio and they teach you properly how to do pelvic floor exercises mm. how to do them correctly mm. which
2: we don't have and sex after kids um we talk about this a lot because <laughs> oh. we say isn't it funny that they you get your kind of all clear at six weeks and then it's almost as if you're expected to then leap back into sex you know into, into bed again and have great sex doesn't really work like that does no, it no not at
4: all i think it takes a long time <laughs> Sex after kids—it's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think for a start, I think the first time I had sex after I'd had a baby, it was more just to check that everything was okay in there. Yeah, I don't particularly remember feeling it pleasurable. I think it was mm. just like something we had to do mm-hmm. to make sure it was all okay. I probably said, "Does it feel different? Is it bigger?" <laughs> and I remember, i think probably my husband was like could you just maybe shush? (laughs) Maybe not kind of ruin this for me. (laughs) You know, your boobs, if you're breastfeeding, are just like, Mm. oh, I think I kept my bra on. It's all just, it's a bit like the first time you have sex, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, I do remember remembering to get lots of lubrication because I was Mm -hmm. breastfeeding and I remember thinking, I'm so grateful I did because you're naturally very dry when you're Mm. breastfeeding Mm. and because of the hormones. So, um, yeah, but I think... The thing is you want to get your sex life back but in that first year, I mean I've got friends that didn't have sex for the first year mm-hmm. and I think that's really normal mm. and nothing to be ashamed of Mm-mm. and if you factor in every reason why, you're up breastfeeding or bottle feeding, um, you might be bleeding or um, so sleep deprived, you may be sharing different beds with mm-hmm. your husband which I think is very normal when mm. you've got a baby in your bed your husband's awfully booted off to the sofa or the spare room. Mm. You haven't actually got, in my head, I never had the capacity to look at my husband and just fancy him again. You know, yeah. those spontaneous moments you had pre-kids where you would have a shag on the sofa like, after work or mm-hmm. morning sex. Morning oh, sex. Oh, look, oh. I was both lusting I after. Know. I know. Morning th- <laughs> sex on a Sunday was the best, wasn't it? Yeah. Slightly like, hungover, maybe.
2: Yeah, and it's sort of like a way of
4: just slowly waking up and kind of, you don't know, oh, need to leave the bedroom. The, that, to me, is the best sex because you've had a sleep, yeah, and you're at the start of the day, and you have a really great shag, and then you have breakfast. And you're like, oh, "What should we do today?" And now you're woken up by, well, I don't know what time you're woken up. 6:30 this morning. The yeah. twins trotted in. 6:15. Hear the puppy crying. Your brain automatically goes, "What am I doing today? I need to get that train. I need to get the children ready. I need to take the puppy up for a wee." I, I mean, there is <laughs> nothing sexy is there no I mean I'm having a shower my husband's going for a wee like it's all it's like there is you have to find well for us as a couple we have to find that space and it often is phoning my mum and saying can you have the kids for a night? We might just, um, <laughs> I think we're going to go and stay in a hotel. And as much as that sounds really planned and organised, that's how... It has to be done.
2: And actually, this, this leads me on to my last question, which is <laughs> like sex in a house when you've got older children. Because yes. we have a lot of, um, you know, we talk a lot about when the, the, the baby's a little and waking you up. But
4: actually, yeah. it
2: must be a big deal when they're old enough to come and open your door. And hear you. And hear you. We how all remember awkward. your
4: parents. Do you remember hearing your parents have sex?
2: I don't remember hearing. I, I'm sure I walked in and saw some kind of configuration under a duvet. <laughs> like, oh, what are you doing, daddy? <laughs> exactly.
4: Um, yes. So my older daughter goes to bed a bit later now because mm. she's 11 and she'll stay up in her bedroom and read. Yeah, there is that. I mean, the fact that she is embarrassed entirely and yeah. all the time by me. I mean, I just am <laughs> so tragic, she said to me the other day tragic like, oh. oh that's a burn. I was just dancing in the kitchen cooking dinner and she came home with a friend and her friend fa- and her friend was actually quite like amused by it but obviously <laughs> it's always more embarrassing than it's your friend she was like, mum, you're so tragic. And I was like, oh, <gasps> oh, gosh. And I was like, I'm not actually that tragic. You know, you're trying, like, look. I'm, I'm actually t- a cool mum.
2: <laughs> I'm really cool.
4: Like, I wear lepreprin. I'm really... Um, That's but- like,
2: do you know Cathy Lett? She's an Australian novelist. Yes, yeah. So yeah. she has a great quote, which is, living with a teenage daughter is like living with the Taliban. You're not allowed to wear short skirts, <laughs> laugh or dance. <laughs> look sleep or sex both of them for me are amazing it's very tricky isn't it
4: when you have to make that choice (laughs) we all do it don't we we
2: do but i sort of think sleep if you have the sleep you're more likely to feel horny the next day because it does affect your sex drive apparently and and if you have sex or a wank you're more likely to sleep better so it's a bit chicken and egg but i kind of go go for whatever either one is amazing
4: i always find that you know, and it's very long overdue, mm. the sex, and you've had maybe a period or maybe another period, mm. and you think, Yes. And it's, I always find it's when my husband says, We like you've had a period and we haven't, like mm. when they've noticed this, <laughs> the cycle, yes. and you're thinking, oh, yeah, we should schedule this soon. And you just sometimes, I don't know, the, the least, well, we know that the the less sex you have, the less you want it. Mm. And then you have sex. And you're like, that was really nice. So pleased god, I, really, I did that. I really love you, and yeah. I really f- appreciate you. And oh my god, you've emptied the dishwasher. Let's have sex again. <laughs> and it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like we put it off.
2: We do, and it's almost when I'm getting more annoyed yes. and naggy and irritated that I'm like, I just need a shag. I yeah. need a good old thing too. And you I'll need be a row fine. and a shag. A row and a shag. Yeah, it's a great cycle to it's, get. It into. It would be great, wouldn't it? And then sleep.
4: And then asleep. And then asleep. Well, yeah.
2: We- we're all sorted. That's, like, the best recipe. That's a happy marriage, a happy partnership.
4: Yeah, I think rowing is really important, actually. My husband doesn't like rowing. Mm. He likes having sex. <laughs> he doesn't like having a row. It's give and take. Yeah, but I then don't like the, like, Ooh, little comments. Yeah, the it's better and just to like, have it out, for sure. For fuck's sake, I asked it. Like, my husband forgot to get nappies yesterday. I was working Ooh. yesterday, and um, the twins came in this morning, <laughs> I'm sure every parent's been there and they were like oh they were wear a pull-up at night and they were like we got wet pajamas and I was thinking oh god he put them in a swim nappy (laughs) because he'd he'd forgotten to get the nappies and it was too late and I was half laughing but I was half annoyed that he forgot because I said to him yesterday don't forget to get pull-ups we're down to the last Mm. one um and everyone knows
2: that swim nappies are about as absorbent as a tea bag I mean I mean they're
4: just the we just float in them yeah. doesn't it they don't they don't absorb um, but yeah it's just those little niggly comments that you make and actually I'm just like let's just have a big old row and then a shag yeah
2: yeah this is the this is Clemmie Hooper's advice for you all you'll have that not for free not marriage advice <laughs> have that for free Clemmie it's been so lovely having our fanny chat yes and everyone listening I will put the link to Clemmie's blog and well when her podcast is out we will thank let you. you know when it's there so thanks very
4: much thank you
1: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.
3: I mean, one of the things I thought was really good about that. Well, there were many things, but one was um, the advice on going away to a hotel to try and get some jiggy, jiggy biggy time in. Um, but I was trying to think. Not everyone can afford that, can they? So, what could we do? What can we do to sort of set aside a bit of time?
2: My advice would be to be creative about the time of day that you have sex because it doesn't always have to be at night. And actually, at night, sometimes if you've had a big meal a few drinks you've mm. had a long day you've probably woken up at half past five um with kids so by the time you get to you know when you put your head on the pillow that's it it's snoozy time and not mm. sexy time I think if you could take the kids if you can foist the kids on a relative or a childminder, and I mean there's apps isn't there like bubble I think mm. you can get a babysitter for like 10 pounds an hour get a babysitter for a couple of hours and Have sex in the day. Mm. What's wrong with that?
3: I think that's a good idea. And actually, we did speak to somebody at an event that we did. Um, I won't name her, but I remember her saying that because her husband worked at home Mm. and her kids were at school then, they were quite a big fan of having afternoon sex Mm -hmm. and they had a really healthy sex life. And because I said to her, she had quite a few children. and I was like, how the hell do you fit that in? And she was like, well, you know, if my husband's home, Mm. we'll just disappear, you know, for half an hour. Um, And you discussed that in the interview that sometimes actually those kind of liaisons in the day Mm. or in the morning Mm. are actually more fun um, and actually probably more the kind of thing that you used to do when you first met because you were always having sex at different times and it wasn't always in the same place in the bed, you know. Um, Kids in bed. This is the other
2: one. Kids in bed, oven on, sometime in bedroom to have sex and then come down, put the
3: pizza in the oven. And then chill. Well, my friend used to do this thing where she said um, they would order a Domino's pizza, <laughs> and in the time that it took for the pizza to arrive, they would have had a, had sex. The race is on. So, I mean, obviously that can that can be like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but that kind of that adds the sort of free frisson especially if you've got Deliveroo actually because you can actually track <laughs> how close they are yeah, Deliveroo and then should try have... and match your kind of your sex to you know oh wait he's got another two seconds and then he's going to be knocking on the door yeah,
2: yeah there should be a little alarm bell yeah, little to like a five minute warning kind of wrap it up guys wrap it up yeah. <laughs> love that idea so I loved that interview. I love talking to Clemmie. You can follow her at Mother of Daughters. You probably already are following her, to be fair, because mm. she's probably got most of the internet already following her. And we didn't actually say that Anaki's baby is very lovely and very sweet. And she isn't here with us today, but she probably will be in the background at yeah. some point chomping on a bottle. Um, but she's really gorgeous. And well done, Anarchy and... 12 weeks in and you're here recording a podcast and we're not saying that that's an example or a no, benchmark no, no. for anyone at home because actually it's a pretty bad idea really but thank mm. you and I appreciate you being here thank you, thank and that, you and thank you for listening next week, I mean we've got a really exciting series, uh, next week we are interviewing an actual movie
3: star, I know, I can't believe it actually um, I, I think it's probably the coup of all time and and have you actually? Are you going to say who it is now? No, I'm going to tease it. I'm Can you do tease at least it. the initials so that people could guess? R M R M. So is it? Let me try and guess. So it's not Richard Madeley. No,
2: Ooh, <laughs> might be. Is he an actual movie star? I don't know. We'll have to check IMDb. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anyone but else we've got who's an R-M. actual movie star next week. The week after, we've got a live episode which was recorded on Valentine's Day at White City House. And we talk all about self love, masturbation, self care, periods, the whole cancer. We've, we've got amazing guests. We've got Bow Babe, we've got Nadia from Appointment AM, Dr. Karen Gurney, mm. and Karen Hobbs, the comedian from The Eve Appeal. So that one is episode three. And further on in the series, we talk to. The Slumflower, who is um, Chidera Aguera. I don't think that's how you pronounce the
3: surname. But we've got The Slumflower. I thought you'd done really well then.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I like the, the way that that name sounds and more. So please subscribe and listen to us week in, week out.
3: Thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed our episode. We can't get by on Little Crumbs, though, so please do like, subscribe, and write a review. Only write a review if it's a nice one, though. Don't bother if you hate it, and don't listen to us anymore, I guess. And yes, please do, because it makes a huge difference. And thanks a lot. Bye!